Yeah. Are you a carnival barker? I don't know. Like a seal? No. That's the term for the person who says, step right up here. We got your games. We got to win some tokens here. You, you told me to introduce, introduce the show. You didn't say, did. like, do it well. Yeah, I didn't. also didn't say do it like a carnival barker. Did you think you would get something normal? <laughs> <laughs> you think this will be fine? There's no consequences to what I'm about to ask Kim yeah, to do. I regret my choices. Welcome to Kim Knows Nothing. We're a podcast about murder. Yeah, what's and it not about? Murders. What's it about? Sometimes we're talking murders on the cast. We're a true crime podcast. Yes. Where Stacy does a lot of research and looks stuff up, and then she tells me a true crime story. That's and right. I react. So far. Yep. With fun sound effects like this one. <laughs> and generally stupid comments that are smart to me because I don't know anything. So basically, when it comes to true crime, I know everything. And Kim, it's weird that plants are alive. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> like... I think they make friends and stuff. Like how like how they're hanging on there and surviving <laughs> no, or that they, they exist. Like, they have like friends and things they like and don't like. They have friends? I think so. <laughs> I think I think so. And like some plants grow better with Beyonce playing. Oh. That's, that's weird. A fact. That's a fact. That, I mean, that's not anything should grow when Beyonce's playing, but it's weird yeah. that plants have that. <laughs> so Kim I worry about you. I, I did such a bad job introducing the show. <laughs> we can't redo it. I, I know. We really can't. Just immediately <laughs> did a terrible job. And I appreciate all the listeners that have that didn't immediately go, mm, delete. <laughs> <laughs> delete. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. That's my dog walking around. And you know what? I'm going to just let it happen. Whoa. Well, he's, he has a cone on. The poor guy, he was at daycare. And he got scratched in the eye by a puppy. And a so <laughs> his eye's infected, so he's got a cone on. It's very sad. Yes, he looks really sad. He looks so sad. He. He'll be fine, though. He's good. Kim, that was a pretty good description. Thank you. I think you nailed it. Thanks. I've, um, not, you know. <laughs> what? I don't know. What are words? I don't know. It's, leave it in. <laughs> it all stays. <laughs> all right. Ready to go? Yeah. Let's do it. I got my fresca here and I'm ready to roll. She's got a fresca. Yeah. All right, Kim. So we are going to be talking about something that has recently become newsworthy. Ooh. Bill Cosby being a straight up rapist. We knew that already, but I know yes. we already knew that, but, but now I just court can't has... drive it home enough that he is an actual rapist. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. Yeah. And his whole attitude about it is really just repugnant. Yes. He thinks he's comparing himself America's... to Nelson Mandela. It's like, what? dude, get a grip. Yes. Nelson Mandela is looking down like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. So we're going to be talking about something that actually, Kim, you do know a little bit about because you posted on social media. I also oh. did. Yes. We're talking yes. about... The Golden State Killer. Cool. I'm very, very excited because I don't really know much about it. Yes, yes. So I'm excited to learn more because people are like, oh, yeah, this. I'm like, uh. You're like, I don't know much. You know, it's easy to not know much about this because it's his crimes. There are so many crimes. He committed at least 12 murders and at least 45 rapes. Jesus. And he's also, um, authorities are trying to pin other strings of crimes on him as well that hadn't previously been connected to him. Okay. Um, and we'll learn more about that as, you know, once his trial begins and 
all that good stuff. So, yes, like I said, it's very, it's complicated because he spent 10 years um, committing these attacks. And there are a lot of attacks. There's a lot of information. And it gets, it's very confusing. And there's just so much information to learn. So, but let's remember at the top of this that I can't hold a lot of information in my head. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm pretty scared pretty easily. Yes. And it's nighttime. So <laughs> as we record this. Um, so Kim, yeah, you don't know much. Tell me, what do you know about him? Tell me what you know so that I can go from there. I'm going to be fully honest yes. with you. I was aware of the name. Yes. And then I knew that Patton Oswald's late wife wrote this book. Yes. And then they caught him. Right. And that's all you know. That's all I know. Okay. Something about DNA. Yeah. DNA. Um, cool. Okay. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> that's sometimes it. That's all you got to know. You react to me as if I'm a child, which, by the way, is warranted. But like, I was like, and something about DNA. And in my head, I was like, good point. And you were like, <laughs> yeah, DNA. Good. Good. <laughs> DNA. Good, Kim. Um, so what I'm going to do is we're not going to go into a lengthy... Um, description of who he was because that honestly would be like a nine-part podcast there is so much no time that he did what i would want to do is i would go through victim by victim we'd go to every single thing every crime he committed um i don't want to do that because we don't have the time for that but also to me this guy is the scariest and i think i've told you this before Mm -mm. i think i did mention to you before that there is a serial killer that to me is the scariest. Oh, I don't always listen. Right, I know. And I probably, you know, I just say words. Yeah, it's I talk. All, it's, you have to hit a word minimum, and it's that yes. word minimum is higher than most people's oh, yeah. word I maximum. Talk, I talk quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, so it's hard <laughs> for me. So to me, this man has always been the scariest, most terrifying, um, and... When I, and I already knew about him, and I've done research on him, I did read the book that was written by Michelle McNamara about him, Um, and then I listened to, you know, there was a long podcast series I posted about it, Case Files, a really great, it's a really, really great, if you love, like, hardcore true crime, that's, like, really, really great researching. HTC. (laughs) HTC. HTC cell phones, right? Is that a thing? I'm so young. Okay. Um, but anyway, so um, learning about him, it just, it, it, it terrifies me. He's very, very scary to me. And so when I learned that they had potentially caught this guy, my mind was blown. Because this is the kind of crime that everybody, if you're like, a, like an internet sleuth, you feel like you can find who this guy is. Like Michelle McNamara, who wrote the book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, she felt like she could catch this guy. There are so many people that felt like they're everyday people, but they love researching and they live in California. They were alive during that time. They feel like we can solve this. They have his DNA. Like, of course we can solve this. Yeah. But this person that they have in custody was on nobody's list, on nobody's radar, not even close. Damn. The only way they got him was because of this DNA. Um, yeah, DNA. The DNA, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, they caught him just two weeks ago. So we're going to be learning a lot more. But he is 72-year-old Joseph D'Angelo is his name. And like I said, he left his DNA at many of his crime scenes. Ugh. So it it really felt like this has got to be solved. You know, there's, yeah. there's a way that we can catch this guy for sure. Um, but what they did, um, the authorities, what they did was they took his DNA from the crime scene 
made a fake profile on one of those DNA genealogy websites. They uploaded it and found his distant relatives and narrowed it down and eventually found him. Holy shit. Isn't that insane? I'm not. I mean, because it's like, it's called old timey dramatic sting. (laughs) And I chose this particular sound effect because um, I think the story is going to be scary for me. Yeah. Also, because it's like an old timey thing, but also like that they found him like through his ancestors. No, it's so modern. Oh, okay. Because it's .com. So, okay. You have submitted your DNA to one of these genealogy websites. Yeah, you saw me do it. I watched you do it. It was disgusting. You had to spit so many times into the I did it too, and I didn't have to... I only had to do like three spits. You had to do like 55 spits. (laughs) It was gross. (laughs) I I was almost throwing up watching you do that. That was terrible. It was a normal spit. It wasn't appropriate it was cool, though. for you to do that in front of Jewish. people. Okay. That's what I learned. I was really excited. <laughs> oh, I learned that I'm exactly what I thought I was. Congrats. I didn't know about the Jewish thing, and I was pumped. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but what it also does is on Ancestry.com specifically, I think you did yours through a different one. No, I did Ancestry. Okay. But you, you'll see your DNA relatives on the we- on their yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it showed, my grandma did it, too, and it showed, like, your closest potential relative is... Your grandma! I was like, yeah, that's my grandma. That they said, sense. like, first cousin or closer. I was like, closer. Clo- she my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Getting warmer, but not, <laughs> yeah. not hot yet. <laughs> um, but so, you know, what this had... This has brought up an issue with people because I believe do whatever it takes to catch this guy. Because this real. guy, when, when you learn everything about him, he is a monster. Um, but... It raises a concern because why do we have privacy laws? Why do we have built into our constitution that the police can't enter your home without a search warrant? Why do we have these kinds of protections when... I don't know. You can submit your DNA for something fun like trying to see your heritage and then that can be used to convict you or a relative. That, to me... I feel like it raises questions and concerns. I don't know how I feel about it at the moment. I think it has a lot of people kind of questioning it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And are authorities overreaching? And are they going beyond the you know constitutionality of what they can actually do? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this has been done other times before. But authorities aren't doing it often. It's something that they're only saving for these, like this this um they save the best for the worst exactly this is a cold case and this guy was so infamous it's cold case yep totally and this guy was so high profile so infamous he committed so many crimes that they decided they would use this on him but we still don't have the information as to yeah they uploaded his dna to a genealogy website but what did they do beyond that yeah, we don't. We still don't know. So the LA Times and other news outlets have actually filed a lawsuit to get mm. the the search and arrest warrants unsealed, so that we can learn more information about how how exactly did they actually get to this guy? Yeah, beyond just the DNA. Yeah, you found relatives of his, but then what'd you do after that? We still don't quite know. Um, when this podcast comes out, I hope that we don't already know that because we're recording this before. Th- yeah. There's new new stuff is coming out almost daily about this guy. Oh, I thought it was just the one day I posted that one thing. <laughs> just that one day. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of it. Yeah. Um, cool. And the state of California in particular has specific laws uh, regarding DNA evidence that make this possible. But there are places like Maryland and D.C. that strictly forbid it. It's absolutely not allowed. You're not allowed to use the familial DNA to find to find a suspect. Interesting. 
because it raises concerns for people, you yeah. know, about privacy. Yeah. Anyways, um, so currently he's he is only being charged with two out of the 12 murders. Um, but more charges are expected to follow. And of course, he can't be charged for the 45 or more rapes because in the 1970s when he was doing this, yeah, the statute of limitations was three years. We learned in our last episode that California uh, now no longer has a statute of limitations on rape, but of that, of course, only applies to any crimes committed, committed from after. now on, right? Which is, I know, so silly. I know. All right, so what I'm going to do in this episode, Kim, is I'm going to give... Uh, just an overview of this guy so that you can have an understanding of who he is, who he, okay. who he was, what he did. Then I'm going to take a minute to focus on two survivors and their story is particularly interesting. And so that's going to be, we're going to kind of round it out with a focus on that story. So this guy committed a lot of crimes over a decade. So there's a lot of information and he has three different nicknames. Three different nicknames. So I only have two. <laughs> Kim and Dump. No, oh, well, you know what? No, at work they call me Pam or Muscles. That's weird. But a joke that I always want to play is like, ask me if I have a nickname. Do you have a nickname? No, well, sort of. It's it's Kim. But then the obvious thing is like short for Kimberly. So say that. Oh, okay. Got say, it. No, say short for Kimberly. Short for Kimberly? No, actually, it's kind of a funny story. When I was introducing myself to our friends... I, they misheard me. My name is actually Karen. They misheard me inside. I said Kim. And it's been like eight years. It's way too late now. So oh, it's God. technically a nickname. <laughs> Leave <Karen>. it in. <laughs> like, that's a joke that I really, I can never make it. It never you works do out. It. I know. I always forget about it until it's too late. So his, he had three nicknames. East Area Rapist, the original Night Stalker, and the Golden State Killer. So this is this kind of muddles it and confuses it and it makes it like it it makes the story a lot more confusing than it needs to be because it's like, why does he have the nicknames? What do they mean? Where do they come from? Yeah. His crime spree began in 1976 and ended in 1986 and all of his crimes took place in California. He was originally given the moniker East Area Rapist because he was breaking into women's homes and raping them all in the East Bay Area. So the East Bay Area would be like Sacramento, a little bit east of where Sacramento is. Okay. As we know, that's Northern California. Uh-huh. And then, inexplicably, he began committing not just rapes, but also murders. So he started, he kind of evolved and grew and Ugh. was changing his his MO a little bit. But, but authorities, investigators still knew that it was him. But he was just, he was graduating to these more extreme Ugh. things. Um, and when he moved to Southern California... Um, and started committing murders, that's when they called him the original Night Stalker. The, did they call him literally the original Night Stalker? The original Night Stalker. Was there another Night Stalker? There's a Night Stalker. They should have come up with a better nickname. I know. So, I'll, <laughs> so yes, it's very confusing because... Do you the, think that... <laughs> wait, hang on. I have so many questions. Okay. So there was already a Night Stalker. Yes. Then they decided to call this guy the original Night Stalker. Yes. Do you think that... The actual original Night Stalker was like, the fuck? <laughs> I don't think he you, could. That I'm guy, the original Night Stalker. That guy was a sociopath that murdered people with machetes. Uh, listen, nobody's a he- nobody's good here. I'm just saying, like, I'm glad that he was annoyed, but he had to have been annoyed. I guess. Anyway. 
Um, the Night Stalker was actually a really sick dude, obviously. His name was Richard Ramirez, mm-hmm. and he committed 13 murders and at least 11 rapes in the Los Angeles and San Francisco areas from 1984 to 1985. Ugh. So... The fact that the East Area Rapist had committed his crimes before Richard Ramirez had started. Oh. Yeah, so what happened was it was a detective named Larry Poole who in a news article, um, he first called the East Area Rapist the original Night Stalker. And this just meant that he had committed crimes that were very similar to this other killer. Uh-huh. And so he kind of said it as an offhanded, like, he's like the Night Stalker. He's like the original Night Stalker. <laughs> and then that caught on. It's like the original Avenger. Right. <laughs> yeah. But not, not in a good way. Wait, wait. I just realized what I said. Not in a good way. Not in a good not way. Not in a good way. No, no, no. In the worst way. Yeah, yeah. So from then on, people would call him either the East Area Rapist or the original Night Stalker, or they would shorten it to E-A-R or O-N-S or Eron's, which is crazy and weird. That's... Focus and pick a lane. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just pick a name. Um, But in 2013, it was a true crime author named Michelle McNamara. We mentioned her before. Yeah. She was married to comedian Pat Oswalt. You might remember Pat Oswalt as the voice of Ratatouille. Get out of here, really? You know that. No. What? I didn't know. I've never seen Ratatouille. What? Get out. A lot to be appalled about tonight. I don't <laughs> think my not seeing Ratatouille. Ratatouille is a delight. I think not, first of all, it's Ratatouille. Ratatouille is a delight. Really hitting those T's hard, Ratatouille. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I've never seen it, but I love Patton Oswalt. He's yeah, so he's, funny. And I was just talking about his stand-up today at work. So anyways, his wife, Michelle McNamara, she was a true crime writer. She had a blog and she became personally obsessed with this guy and she started writing a book, but it was only published recent, recently after she had she passed away. They basically pieced it together. Her husband and friends went in and did some editing and they pieced some things together to, to be able to get it published. I think um, that's really and, cool. And it was a number one New York Times bestseller. And in fact, it's I'm sure sales have peaked again because of the, you know, now that this is in the news again. Yeah. I read it. It's really great. And it's it's crazy to see how one person going to become so obsessed with this guy. And I'm right there with her because it really feels like one of those things that you're like, there's got to be a way that we can catch this guy. Like, yeah. Um, so in 2013, she came up with a new nickname, Golden State Killer. Let's just let's just make it easier. That sounds yeah it, like, makes more sense like so it was her she's the one that actually did that and now whenever the authorities call him the golden state killer it's all because of michelle mcnamara wow that's pretty, really cool i had pretty, no idea yeah it's very cool um so the golden state killer had a very specific mo but he evolved over the years like i told you eventually graduating to murder so his first attack was on june 18th 1976 in rancho cordova california do you know where that is? Nope. Nope. Me neither. Never heard of it. I had to look it up. Rancho Cordova is a city just east of Sacramento near Folsom. If you know where Folsom is. Oh, I know about the Folsom Prison. You've heard Blues. of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and that's actually where the majority of the attacks would occur. And if you're looking at the suspect they have, Joseph D'Angelo, he has lived in a city called Citrus Heights um, since 1980. And that is just 15 miles north of Rancho Cordova. If you look at a map of all the crimes, a lot of them happened right around where this guy had been living. Damn. Yeah, so it really is like, oh, this seems like the guy. Um, later, <laughs> later attacks would occur in other neighboring cities, uh, in other neighboring cities just a few miles um, from where he lived. Um, 
And so the East Area Rapist, I'm going to call him, I'm, I'll call him that. Sometimes I'll call him Golden State Killer. I kind of switch it around based on... Mix it up. Mix it up. Just Keep to confuse interested. you. Just to confuse you. Well, guess um, what? I'm already confused. <laughs> so um, what he would do is he would stalk his victims. Okay. He would call them before the attacks. Sometimes just breathing on the phone. Ew. Or other times just, it would be hang up calls. So you're a woman, you're living alone, you've been getting hang-up calls for weeks. Seems weird, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, And he would also call after the attacks. And then after the attacks, he would call and say things over the phone. Ew. Which is, this dude. That's the worst. This dude is very. I'm never answering my phone again. Yeah. I don't Um, answer my phone anyway. (laughs) So. But also think about it back in the 70s, if you had an address and your name was listed, you could find somebody's phone number. Yeah. No, it, it, it doesn't really work that way. You can't, just because you know where somebody lives, that doesn't mean you know their phone number. But in totally. the 70s, it did, yeah. you, you could do that. Yeah. So he would spend weeks canvassing the neighborhood, learning his victims' patterns and schedule. After the attacks, neighbors would later say that they had seen a man prowling around sometimes even standing in the backyard of the victim's house. But what? Yes. What do we say? If you see something, say something. Yeah. But in the 70s, man, and especially these neighborhoods, it was really safe back then. People, especially he would, when he it was It was attacking, not safe then. There was a serial rapist and murderer. But it took people a while to realize that. Oh. And so people were, they weren't on guard the way they should have been, right? But, yeah. But it just... Stuff like that just wasn't happening and hadn't happened before. Yeah. So um, if the victim had a dog, somehow the dog would never bark at this dude, which led led people to believe that maybe he had been coming by and feeding the dog treats. There's no proof of this, but that's what people were thinking. Like, why didn't my dog bark? Isn't that so creepy? Yeah. So one woman who was attacked told police that she had been getting hang-up calls before and after the attack. So the police wired her phone. And they were able to record when the East Area Rapist called. And you can listen to it online. Nope, absolutely not. Gonna now, be a no for me. Let me tell you this. Please don't. It is very no. scary. <laughs> I'm not gonna play it for you. And I'll tell, I'll tell you why. Oh, God. I, I've, the quality's not great. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I've heard this recording multiple times. Uh-huh. Every time it scares me to death. But, yeah. but somehow like, when I was doing my research for this and I pulled up a clip and I was like, do I play this for Kim or not? Let me just listen to it again just to see because I'm sure it's too scary. Yeah. I started playing it and scared myself. I got oh. so freaked out. I had to close the thing. It is very no. scary. Listeners. Here's what I'm going to do. I will post a link online. If you feel brave enough, you can click on this and you can listen to it. But you have been warned. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm watching, I'm still watching 911. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but honestly, only during the daytime. Yeah, you got to. Is it scary? <laughs> and uh, sometimes. <laughs> but they play like part of a 911 tape. It's a TV show. It's a just okay TV They're show. They're fake 911 calls. And They're even then I'm like, ooh, it's a little This. <laughs> So I don't need this a real one. Is, so he's breathing. Ugh. And then he says, I'll kill you. I'll Ugh. kill you. It's so scary. That is so scary. But he doesn't scary. say it like that. He says it in like, I don't a, like a scary voice. But you know what's, what's scary, but also like kind of not making me laugh about that. But like. Good Lord. Sometimes I'll tell you, tell you that. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that. But I think. I guess it's all about delivery and tone. Well, and also if you've just been raped by this guy. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And now he's, he's calling, calling you, telling you that. Yeah, that's right. 
So no freaking way. It it's I mean it's before, to me it's so scary. It's like and it's such like a sick. Yes. Obviously, this guy is super sick anyway, and I don't want to just blanket diagnose somebody with like a mental illness. Yeah. But something is broken inside of him for sure. Something's wrong. But then to just like continue to harass afterwards yeah. is that's maybe evil. just that's evil. I, I can't. Yeah. If you believe evil is a real thing, that is evil. That's what it is. There's no so- <laughs> way around it. <laughs> so. His first um, attacks were on women that were living alone. And it didn't matter if doors or windows were locked because he had been stalking his victim and already working on how to break locks and get in through windows. Very cool. The victims would wake up with a man in a ski mask, nude from the waist down, standing over them. But he kept his shirt on? Yes. Gross. I know. This dude is the worst. Ew. Um... Oftentimes, he would actually enter the home before the attack, and people would come home and notice small things like photographs having been moved or tipped over. Weird things. Also part of his method is that he would use shoelaces to tie up his victims while he raped them, and sometimes he would break into the home before when no one was home and leave the shoelaces somewhere in the house for him to use later during the attack. Ew. Isn't that so scary? Yes. Thanks a lot for this. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, this dude to me is the scariest. And I've straight up like researched a a ton about the Black Dahlia and like what happened to her. Don't ever Google Black Dahlia crime scene photos. Nah, I don't even watch the movie. The movie's no good. Um, there was a there was a woman who, after authorities noticed that the crime spree was going on, she called the police. Right? You see something, you say something. Right? She did. Yep, that. That's how you're supposed to do it. Because she found shoelaces in her couch when she was cleaning. What? Yes. Oh, no. Not just shoelaces, but he would like tie them up and make them nice and long and like ready to go. And they were all tied up and it was like ready to go. Oh God. And so then the police immediately were like, "Okay, we're gonna, you know." be on patrol at her house to make sure nothing happens. Of course, he never came back there because it was almost like he already was on to her. He knew that she had called the police and so he figured, well, I'm not going to attack this woman. But how scary is that? Yeah. That he's been inside your home. That's why this guy is so scary because it doesn't matter about locks and that you have your windows closed, that your home, they say like, don't stay out late at night. Don't like put yourself in dangerous positions, you know, like make sure you stay in a safe place. Like stay home and lock the doors and doesn't matter. Oh, you suck. It always makes me laugh. I feel like we really need a sound effect right now. He's the worst. Ugh. So during the sexual assaults, um, uh, he actually pretty often left DNA at the scene, like I said, which um, in the 70s and, 70s and 80s, as we know, didn't really mean much at that time. It wasn't until the late 80s, early 90s that DNA evidence was really became, it picked up, you know, full steam and jurisdictions around the country started using it. Um so, but they hang on. They hung on to that DNA, hoping it would matter later. And of course, it matters now. Um, while the first fifteen rapes were of women who were alone, he eventually started attacking couples. Oh. And it was almost like he was um, raising the stakes and trying to challenge himself and make it more difficult, right? Because yeah. if you have a man in the house, that's clearly 
you know, that's somebody else that you have to deal with. It's a yeah. man who wants to protect and whatever, what have you. Yeah. So his first attack of a couple was April 2nd, 1977 in Orangevale, California. Um, and for the attacks on the couples, the couple would wake up with a flashlight shining in their face and a man wearing a ski mask standing over them. And he usually had a gun and would say he was just there for money. And if they cooperated, they would live. And for the first slew of of um, attacks, he didn't kill anybody. Um, and so he just would threaten to kill them. Um, but he would take the man into another room and tie him up with his own shoelaces. Um, and sometimes he had the woman tie up the man. And if the knots weren't tight enough, then the East Area Rapist, he would redo the knots. And he tied the knots so tight that later when the police came, the victim's hands were blackened. Oh, my God. Um, and the knot he used is called a diamond knot, which is something that authorities would try to use to try to figure out who he was. Like, does this say something about this guy? It's a pretty basic, like, nautical knot. Like, so if you're in the Navy... basic. you basic. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're in the Navy, maybe you might have learned a knot like that, right? Uh Um, That was just a theory. Or not. There were... (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) So the theory was that maybe he was in the military. Okay. There were also other theories that, like, maybe he was a cowboy. (laughs) Like, you can go online and read about everybody's quote-unquote theories about who this guy was. (laughs) <laughs> like, he always left a gate open and somebody was like... Maybe he was born in a barn? No, no, like, cowboys... <laughs> no, it's part of cowboy culture that if you leave a gate open, it's a sign of disrespect or something. I'm like, okay, people. But... Maybe he's just lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what we now know is that Joseph D'Angelo, he did serve in the Navy. He served in Vietnam. He also was a cop. Ugh. Did you know that? Yeah, he was a cop, too. Um, so... The men no, were t- I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. So the men, they were taken into another room and told not to scream or make a sound. And while the hysteria rapist raped the woman in the other room. And sometimes he would actually take a stack of dishes and put it on the man's back and say, because he's lying face down and he's tied up. And he would say, if I hear these dishes fall or break, I'll kill you both. Holy shit. Which is something very specific that... It's um, something that not no other criminals that we know of have like done that. It's really it's like it, it's not a normal thing to do. Um, and so he would continue to do that through all these attacks. And Ugh. it's like clearly his M.O., which is oh, it's so scary to me. Yeah. Um, um, and a lot of these people did survive these attacks and they weren't, you know, they weren't all killed. And so they remembered information that they could tell the police. Of course, they never really saw his face. So when you've, if you've seen, there's several sketches of him. They all look different. It's because nobody really saw his face. They just saw his eyes through a ski mask. Yeah. There were a couple people that, that think that they saw his face. Um, he was chased down a street one time by an off-duty, like, uh, FBI agent that happened to live next door to where something happened. And he got a, he thought he got a good look at this guy's face. But really, people really didn't actually know what he looked like. But he always had on a ski mask. And what the women remembered is that he had a small penis. <laughs> <laughs> right? So actually, I'm not laughing. I know. Part of what they're doing at this guy's, um, uh, his for his trial is his public defender tried to get, um, to prevent the authorities from extracting more DNA or taking nude photographs of this man. Mm-hmm. But the judge was like, "Nope, you can do it." So they're gonna they're gonna take pictures of his of his dick, and it's gonna be entered into evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's very interesting that that 
it's something that all across the board, all of the the victims and all, all their survivors said that, which is interesting. Small, small. Um, um, yeah. What a that sucks that the public defender has everyone has a right yes. to an attorney, and it's Obviously, a woman too, which I think is something interesting. Yeah, that's that a is woman. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, I think having a right to an attorney is super, just so important to our justice system. Absolutely. Um, but I'm curious about this woman if she's just like. Uh, yeah, well, no, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess you would, you're a public defender, you've, that's your job. That's her job. What, I mean, honestly, what if he's not the guy? Yeah, that, and that's if, what true. What if the police yeah, yeah, are yeah. wrong? Yeah. You have to, if, as, as a defense attorney, you have to look at it that way. You have to assume that this guy's innocent and you have yeah. to try. That's because true. it's the burden of proof is on the state to present their case and it better be a good case. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that she, there, I have seen in other situations where um, people's um, criminal defense attorneys really don't try hard at all because they don't care or they don't believe in their client's innocence. You see it. It, it does happen. Yeah. This woman already, you can tell, is trying very hard. Like, she's really for her. doing That's a lot. So no, impressive. she's doing her job. She's doing her job. This guy is guilty as sin if they have the evidence against him. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, there's some more stuff that if they have this evidence against him, like... It's going to be such an easy slam dunk They case. should make her tie a knot or make him tie a knot. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Be like, can you do a diamond Can knot? you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so also, the survivors remembered that he would speak through clenched teeth in like a high-pitched voice. <laughs> and sometimes... Um, sometimes he would eat food and drink beers out of their fridges. He was in the house with the victims, sometimes for several hours... Just eating food yes. and talking through clenched and, teeth? and drinking beers. Ugh. He never left fingerprints at a scene, as far as I know. He never left fingerprints. He had a small penis, a clenched jaw, yeah. and no fingerprints. Yeah, no <laughs> fingerprints. He always wore gloves. So now, knowing that he uh, was a police officer, it makes sense that he was able to cover up his tracks as well as he did. Yeah. And the shining the flashlight in people's faces, that's something that police officers are trained to do. To Man. just... Shine that light, blind people for a second, catch them off guard. Very Ugh. police move, yeah. Um, and so he would steal things too, all kinds of things like jewelry and like dishes and like every every. He's obsessed with dishes. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, wasn't saying so. if he didn't put the plates to say like, hey, if this plate plate breaks, I'm gonna kill you. That wasn't like because I want to know if you're moving. It was like it's a nice plate. If you fucking break, don't break this plate. You're an idiot. <laughs> I have but, Rachel Ray plates. Was, oh, you know what? One broke the other day, actually. God. So, Rachel Ray, if you could send plates. Yeah. That'd be she's great. a listener. Yeah. Um, big fan. So, all of these things could be linked to him if they... So, they did search his house already. He might have this stuff. He might Now, he's been married since 1973. So, he mm. was married to a woman, if, this, if it is Joseph D'Angelo. Um, he was married to a woman... During this entire time. This poor woman. He could have given her jewelry from his victims. And so what they have is, um, you'll see there's like photos of exact. I won't see. Well, no, they're just (laughs) of jewelry. They're exact replicas of jewelry that was stolen. So you can look at photos and say like, oh, do you recognize this jewelry? Because this is what he stole. This woman might have jewelry that was given to her by her husband. When we did the last episode and we talked about Austin Powers, we were talking about like, yeah. oh, that poor woman. She just, she had this rapist. Yeah. And almost was murderer in her home the whole time. Oh, in yeah. In the form of a DVD. Yeah. Uh, which is awful and disgusting. But then imagine this poor wife 
Or like they have kids. Yeah. Grown adult kids. He yeah. has grandkids. Three daughters and a granddaughter. What if he gave one of that? That's just. Ugh. Oh, I know. Gosh. I know. So it's one of well. those things where he stole so many items and so many things, even driver's licenses sometimes and photographs, family photographs yeah. and stuff, that if he has his stuff in his house, they got him, man. They got him. You know yeah. what I'm So I think that if they, there are ways that they can really pin it on this guy. For if, sure. If he held on to that stuff. Um, well, they have DNA, right? Well, they have the DNA, Yes. And so that that right there can get him, but you're obviously you want to build as strong of a case as you can. Yeah, of course. You, know, you want because DNA has been wrong before. What? Yes, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't really even understand what DNA is. So. Yeah, they've they've gotten it wrong. So the East Bay area of California knew in 1977 that they had a serial rapist and a burglar on their hands, um, and people started getting nervous. Um, this part is this is a crazy story. Okay, scary crazy or not? Creepy, scary, um, yes. It's, okay, it's already pretty creepy. Okay, so. so in Sacramento, they had a town hall meeting to discuss the problem at hand. It was hosted by the Sacramento County uh, Sheriff. Um, and a man stood up and said... Oh, God. Oh, a man, man stood up and said, why are all the men letting this guy attack their wives? If it were me, I would never let it happen. A few months later, that man and his wife became the next victim <gasps> of the East Area Rapist. Not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, what, my What did you think goodness. I was going to say? That it was like him just kind of flaunting his shit. But well, that no. Dude, he was there, though. That means he was there. <sighs> which is crazy. Yeah. Um, that freaks me out. So there's actually a photo of that town hall meeting. And it has every person in the audience. You can see them. And there's like one guy standing in the back against the wall. It's like, is that him? <laughs> you can't really see his face very well. Uh, so creepy. So creepy. Um, but yeah, so for the men, these attacks were really traumatizing for them. Yeah. I mean, the women were the ones that were sexually assaulted. The men were physically assaulted a little bit. But like for them to be tied up and their wife I need to hear or girlfriend, it. yes, is being raped in the other room and they have they can do nothing about it. I mean, it messed these people up, but yeah. it messed the men up in a, in a different way. Um, and what I read was that 90% of all the couples that were attacked and survived um, by the East Area Rapist, they all broke up. They couldn't, they got divorced. Or I, if they were not married, they broke up because it was too, too difficult to deal with. In cases where a child was in the home, this happened many oh, times. God. Um, the East Area Rapist would either tie up the child and leave them in their room or just tell them to go back to bed. Bizarre. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. did He did rape girls as young as 13 years old. Ew. But it was, they weren't the child in the house. Or it, it wasn't like little kids. The little kids somehow, you know, of course they have to deal with what they witnessed. But yeah. he typically put them in another room and was like, go back to bed. In one attack, he actually, he attacked a single mother whose daughter was in the house. Um, she was little. And he said that if she screamed, if the if the woman, the mom screamed, he would cut off the daughter's ear and bring it back to her. <gasps> so he like said some really sick stuff to these people. Um, and he would say things like, uh, I loved seeing you. Last Ew. week at the whatever the the marine ball or whatever it was, and that was something that the woman had actually attended, and she's thinking, did he see me there? But people think that he just went through all their stuff and learned things about them, and then would say, Ugh. or like um, he said, I I loved seeing you at the junior prom. I wish I could have danced with you or something like that. But he had seen the junior 
prom photo in the girl's room. But still, like, that is some sick. Yeah. Um, One attack was of a 13-year-old girl whose mother was in the house, um, but the mom was tied up and couldn't do anything about it. I mean, this guy is just ruthless. He's evil. I mean... So after 48 attacks in Northern California from 1976 to 1979, the East Area Rapist became the original Night Stalker and headed down to Southern California. We don't want you here. We don't. And it actually took authorities a very long time to connect these crimes because um, it was so far away. It wasn't the same area. And back then in the 70s, um, it wasn't as easy for police departments to communicate or to know that there were crime sprees going on in other areas. You just had your local paper that you read. Um, but there were some detectives who were like, oh my God, this is the same guy for sure. But no one else in the department believed them. Oh, that sucks. But it wasn't until 2000 that they made the DNA connection. Oh. And then they said... Same dude. Oh, my God. Same guy. The first Southern California attack was on October 1st, 1979 in Goleta. Do you know where Goleta is? Yeah, because I went to school in Ventura. Yeah. Goleta is a coastal town in between Ventura and Santa Barbara. It is. Um, I forgot to tell you that I went back to school for typography. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was calligraphy. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) So that's about 100 miles north of LA, right on the coast. Like you said, it's a beach town. Um, So from that first attack in Rancho Cordova, Goleta is 400 miles south by car that's like six hours. Why is he suddenly attacking people six hours south no one still no one really knows um but even though this was this was not his first murder but he clearly wanted to commit murder because um the victims uh, the, the survivors remember him repeating to himself over and over again i'll kill him i'll kill him i'll kill him he kept saying it Ew. and what happened was in that in that case it was the man who actually escaped and ran out of the house and it kind of like what about the plates <laughs> I don't think plate I think actually I don't know if the plates were on him but either way I know that he was able to escape and run to a neighbor's house and I think that the original Night Stalker now at this point is what his name is um, he he wanted to commit a murder but he was sort of caught off guard but his next attack was two months later December 30th 1979 also in Goleta and he would commit his first murder um, the victims were Robert Offerman who was 44 years old and Alexandra Manning who was 35 years old and after that he went on to attack five more times and killed eight more people mostly he was killing couples um, and the next attacks were in Goleta Ventura Irvine and Dana Point. Oh, wow. So he's, he's moving, really getting down the coast. He's moving further south. Yeah, we we know because we live in Southern California. Yeah. Those NorCal towns like Rancho Cordova were like, I don't, know, I, that. I don't know. When I hear Irvine and Dana Point, I'm like, I know where that is. Yeah. Um, and what's weird is that his last two attacks were actually five years apart. Weird. So um, he had a pretty solid streak from 1976 to 1981. And then from 81 to 86, no attacks. Five years of no attacks. Huh. Um, and then his last attack um, was a rape and murder of a 19-year-old woman named Janelle Cruz in Irvine, California. And then he stopped completely. What? As far as we know. That's it. So he hasn't committed a crime in, or he hasn't committed a rape or murder in over 30 years. Wow. And if this guy is Joseph D'Angelo... We know that he has three daughters. We just mentioned that. They were born in 81, 86, and 89. Now, I have a personal theory. Okay, lay it on me. And that is that this the 81 attack happened 
just a few months before his first daughter was born. And then, you know, five years later, he commits his very last attack. But all the while, he's having daughters and maybe needs to be at home and maybe having daughters does something to him. Maybe. The fact that he had only daughters is like, I mean, if this is the guy, yeah, like what a cruel irony or whatever you would call it, that it, he's having daughters, maybe finally realizing like, oh my God. I don't know that that would, I don't know. I just, I'm I just, don't know. But I just had this thought that like what I really fucking hope is that he had three daughters and realized what a terrible thing he has done for his life yeah and that like every day it just fucking haunts him and maybe. now he'll go to jail and die in jail and that'll be great too maybe but, like every day he just looks at his daughters and thinks like i love them so much and these victims were daughters too right so this investigator paul holes he has a theory that the um the 1986 attack, they think that they were they were killed, but they think that the man fought back and might have gotten the better of the Golden State Killer in a way. And he and, was like, I'm too old. I'm getting too old for this. Yeah, show. he was getting older because what they said was like he was very, very fit. He could like hop fences in like one jump. Like the dude was so fit and agile and he could evade anybody um but if somehow this guy fought back maybe he was injured and yes he's getting older he's not as in shape as he used to be and maybe he having that last victim fight back it might have made him feel like you know he didn't want to keep doing it anymore yeah we're still not sure but oh man i want to know yeah i first heard that they caught a suspect because my brother texted me my brother lives in new york and he texted me <laughs> and was like do you know about this guy i was like yeah i do and he was like they caught him i was like no did you tell him no you're wrong yeah <laughs> i did this is what i said to him i said i don't believe it because this is the kind of person that doesn't just stop you don't just stop committing yeah. rapes and murders when you're that you evil. thought he was, this person was dead i thought he was dead wow i didn't believe it no way that this dude is alive he's dead paul holes always believed that he was still alive paul holes is quick he knows paul holes knows what he's doing <laughs> he does <laughs> there was one little piece of evidence that maybe i should have like double check that thought in 2001 i don't know what it's gonna be but i like that it's like one little tiny one little small thing and then it's just like he has a myspace page <laughs> yeah it's a myspace no in 2001 um one of his survivors got a phone call and no! it, it was him saying remember when we played which is so sick. Ew. So that the authorities were like, yeah, he's still around for sure. Because how, the, you know, they do a lot to protect victims, survivors to make yeah. sure that like this, this isn't a, a, no, you wouldn't be able to easily find this woman's information unless you were the guy, you know, yeah. unless, um, anyway, so there's actually also been a theory that people have had that the Golden State Killer is also another criminal called the Visalia Ransacker. Dude. <laughs> Too many, you know what? Too many names. Don't give these a-holes nicknames. Listen, they don't deserve that. Just call I them a-hole the number. I nicknames that I have. Yeah. We, you have nicknames. I, oh, I love giving nip, nicknames. Nip names? <laughs> you said nip names. My dog's name is George and I call him Bubba. Don't know why. Don't know Doesn't why. Doesn't make sense. Or we call him Buddies. 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 But... <laughs> <laughs> These people don't deserve nicknames. Right. That's all. Because it makes them sound cool and like, oh, you have a cool name. You like, have three nicknames? The guy, no, the guy sucks. Um, 
But this man, the Visalia Ransacker, he actually committed almost 100 burglaries and one murder um, from 1974 to 1975. And in 1976, yes, he would commit multiple burglaries in one night. Damn. Yeah. Um, And then 1976, so this was 74 to 75, and then almost right after, in 76, is the first known East Area Rapist attack. Oh. And so his M.O., the Visalia Ransacker's M.O., was very similar. He seemed to get, like, sexual gratification out of what he was doing. Um, uh, So... I kind of looked into this and I was like, okay, so what I was doing was like, I'm trying to look up Joseph D'Angelo and trying to put together this timeline of like, is this really the guy? Like, I want, I want to try to figure out more about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if he lived in Citrus Heights, um, or he must have lived in that area because he lived in Citrus Heights in starting in 1980. Okay. That's after, that's like right before his one of his, or his two last attacks. But he was a police officer in Auburn, which is very near there. So if you map where that is all the way down to Visalia, Visalia is 260 miles south or a four-hour drive away. A jaunt. Yeah. <laughs> How, so, so really you think he's committing 100 burglars when he, he's a cop. He's employed as a cop at that point. Yeah. And he has to drive four hours every time to get down there. Well, I looked up and I had read that he, these crimes are committed on the weekend. So I looked it up and I, I checked every single one. I had to check like 95 dates. I checked them all. <laughs> they all happened on the weekend, which makes me think that, yeah, he might have been able to do that if he just worked during the week. If yeah. he told his wife, I'm working on a case, he would go down. He either had a house in Visalia or a family member or he'd stay in a hotel and commit these burglaries and then come back. They were Ugh. only on the weekends. So authorities um, and, uh, you know, prosecutors have a terrible person and also sounds like a shitty husband. Oh, yeah, for sure. So this woman has to have known something. Even if she was that naive and didn't know anything, she would at least notice something suspicious. Or, yeah, from 1974 to 75, he was gone every weekend. She would know that. She would know that. So that right there is another, I feel like, slam dunk, like... For sure. You know, so we'll see... um, it hasn't been officially pinned on him yet, but, okay. you know, as they build a case against him, they're going to try to pull in everything that they can. Okay, so I wanted to tell you about two survivors of this guy. Okay. Um, they have a really interesting story. To me, personally, their story stood out to me, and I'll tell you why. It's because I was listening to that great podcast, Case File, mm-hmm. and, dude, I couldn't listen to the whole thing at once. I had to take breaks because it's just, this this guy, he's great. He's Australian, and he does, he and his team do the most fantastic research, so they went through every single attack Jeez. in great length, and I could not do it. It's, it's really bad, but I did finally finish it, um, and there's one story about these two survivors where I was like, hell yes. Okay, let's do it. And it like it. made me feel like, cool. Okay. Okay, cool. So now I'm going to feel better. This was the 48th attack and actually the very last Northern California attack. Well, when you're oh, looking bitch. at the, the timeline of Joseph D'Angelo, he was a police officer in, in Auburn in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And he was actually fired from the police force for stealing dog repellent and a hammer from a store. Ew. Right? Which is weird. The dog repellent could have been used to a lot of, they would bring dogs to the crime scene to get the scent Mm -hmm. of the East Area Rapist, and the scent would go away pretty soon. That's what dog repellent is used for, so they can't follow the scent. Wow. Also, why are you stealing it, though? Probably because he's a burglar, and he likes to steal things, right? Um, But anyway, so... 
Um, he would lose his job for this, and um, that would happen in August of 79, um, which is right before the East Area Rapist went down to Southern California and started committing murders. It makes sense that he was escalated to murder yeah. after he was fired as, as a police officer. Yeah. Um, so this happened right before he's about to get fired as a cop, this attack. Okay. It was July 5th, 1979 in Danville, which is about 30 miles east of San Francisco. So it's a little bit yeah, closer to San Francisco. I, I know about Danville. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where that happened. Cool. Um, Brad and Sylvia Garnett lived in a three-level condo and had just gone to sleep. But Brad was awakened when he heard some noises. He sat up and saw a flashlight reflecting in a mirror from another room, which is scary. Yeah. Um, Then he sees a figure standing in the bedroom with gloves on, holding shoelaces, pulling a ski mask over his head. Which makes people think that he would he would spend time in the house before without the mask on. Oh, looking yeah. through their stuff, getting ready to commit the attack, well, stealing, taking their shoelaces out of their own shoes, tying them up, and then he puts the ski mask on and then wakes them up and commits the attacks. So he sees the man standing in the room. He's pulling the ski mask over his head. Brad immediately jumped up and began to charge at this guy. Good for Brad. Which is dope. Yeah. Um, Brad said that the man just stared back, not blinking, almost like, what is happening? Like he was so taken aback Probably. that somebody immediately came after him. Um, and the East Area Rapist had been described as around 5'9 to 5'11, but Brad was 6'2. So this guy Brad got, is not here to fuck around. That's right. He's got a <laughs> shot at taking this guy yeah. out. Yeah. And he started yelling, Who the fuck do you think you are? What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Which Brad. Is like, I'm just like, Yes, yes, you're yelling at him. I like this. Right? So the East Area Rapist, he like takes two steps back. Like homeboy is just shocked. I feel like, well, East Area Rapist is like, uh, 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 what? 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 Somebody, uh, what? Um, and then Brad says, who are you? Danville and, does not mess around. Oh, yeah, the city of Danville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, his name's not Danville. <laughs> so this gives Sylvia a chance to actually run right past the dude and down the stairs and out. She's out into the backyard and now she's screaming for help out in the backyard. Wow. Brad says to him, if you leave now, you can leave. And the East Area Rapist, he's standing there motionless, just still in shock, just standing there doing nothing. So Brad runs right past him and joins his wife in the backyard and they're yelling for help. The neighbors call the police. At this point, everyone knows about the all the crimes that had happened. So people are on alert. Like the yeah. whole see something, say something, hear something, say something. People were doing that. People are doing it now. For sure. Um, the police show up. And by that time, the East Area Rapist had gotten away. Um, and actually, Brad and Sylvia, they had planned for this moment. They had they had made a plan that if this guy gets into our house, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. Wow. And they did it. And to me, it's like the one story that a lot of them are like, there are some people who made it out alive. There were some aborted attacks where he, he tried to you know, attack somebody didn't work out. But this one where he's yelling in his face, who the fuck do you think you yeah. are? I'm like, yes. Dude. Anyway, so Danville. that's the story. I know, right? Yeah. Because yeah. also, like, listen, way to go, Brad and Sylvia. Yeah. But also that all the neighbors were like, yeah, we're calling the police. Exactly. Danville does not fuck around. That's right. So then when you look at the timeline of it, right after that, if it's Joseph D'Angelo, he was then fired from the police force. Then he goes down to Southern California, maybe because... Um, you know, he's he has nothing to do now. He doesn't have a job. And he had just been basically humiliated by these people yeah. because they 
showed him what's can what. Never go back to Danville again. Right. <laughs> and so then he starts committing murders because now he's like, well, I'm going to prove to these people that I'm the boss, you know? So it, yeah. it kind of makes sense when you look at the escalation of his crimes. Um, so anyways, are you thoroughly terrified? Because yep. that's the story. That's that's what I got. Yeah, that's scary That's shit. the story of it. Yeah. Um, it's very scary. Yeah. When I was listening to that podcast, like... I would be coming home every night because I'd listen to it on my way home from work and I would just be like, he could be in this house. Ew, no, why would you do that? And that's where my mind goes. You're sick, dude. I'm not sick. It's, <laughs> the dude is sick. Yeah. The dude is the one that's making me feel fearful. Yeah. Because like I said, it doesn't matter that you have locked doors or that you have a dog or that you, these, a lot of these people had weapons, they had guns in the house. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The dude's going to get in because he's been watching you. And you think about it. Yeah. If somebody watches you and notices your patterns, there's always ways to get For into sure, your house, yeah. you know, and that's what he would do. Yeah. And he did it so many times. He did it like 50 plus times, which is that's just scary. Yeah. So if this is the guy, if Joseph D'Angelo is the guy, he better go down. He better go down hard. And I hope that just the worst thing happens to him. Me too. Final thoughts. Got a couple. <laughs> um, one. Let's stop giving criminals nicknames. Yeah. It, I think it adds like a cool aspect to it. It makes them famous. Yeah. This guy did not need, need 17 nicknames. You know what? Okay. I'll say one thing about that. Okay. The fact that Michelle McNamara gave him a new nickname. I'm okay it, with that. It helped unify everything and it helped bring a focus in the public's eye to this one guy and instead of, have, instead of having these two confusing nicknames he's got one and she brought a lot of attention to this guy so it was an important thing I giving him a new nickname I think what she did is great yeah I have but no it's qualms with her making the nickname also like it is different it's actually different for a couple reasons one it's not the police giving the nickname Two, do the police give nicknames? How does the yes. nickname thing work? Okay. Yes. It's not the police the, giving the, the nicknames. The police do it, yes. And also, it's not in the midst of the crime. Right. That this is happening. Right. It's, you know. So that, that's my first thought is like, let's stop with nicknames. Only good people, cool people get nicknames. <laughs> Only cool people. Um, bad people don't get nicknames. My second thought is like, if you see something, say something. Always. All of Danville. What's yeah. up? Good yeah. job. My third thought is that um, it just really sucks that Chuck only had five seasons and the fifth one was like a short season and the first one was already a short season. But I'm rewatching it and there was really no time to talk about it in this episode. But <laughs> How does it pertain to this episode? I think if you watch Chuck, anybody who watched Chuck who's listening to this podcast will agree that you will find ways to make it pertain. They'll okay. know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. And you know what? When I'm rewatching it and also watching Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. Yvonne Strahovski is... I'm going to posit something that I think is kind of crazy. Unless you've seen her talent, then you'll agree. I think she might be one of the most talented actresses working right now. Who are you talking about? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was in Chuck. She was one of the leads on Chuck. Okay. And in The Handmaid's Tale, she's married to the guy that elizabeth Ma in the first the blonde season. lady yes she's cool she's cool she's yeah. gorgeous oh she's yeah so talented she, it's like really really good acting so good. she could do like broad stuff but then like yeah also if you just watch in her face it's like really small she's so good, good. acting like that so good. plays really small and well anyway go watch chuck <laughs> just try it. and the handmaid's tale yeah those are my final thoughts did i are you scared i'm i'm scared ish you will be later cool that sucked 
Um, <laughs> only because it sounded like a threat. <laughs> Kim, you can stay the night. Yeah. No. Georgie's not going to do anything. He just said the dogs weren't barking. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, they caught true. him, though. They think okay. they caught him. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. So that was a little different episode because I feel like it's... I try to pick uh, stories that are, if they're not obscure, they have some kind of like a twist or something where I'm going to shock Kim and it's yeah. going to be like our last episode where Austin Powers was the twist. Like <laughs> Kim, Kim's reaction was so good. It was like so perfect. Um, I love just shocking her and making her freak out. That's my whole, that's the whole yeah. point. Not hard. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. Um, but this was just, it's so newsworthy and i am obsessed with it personally so i just wanted to scare me yeah <laughs> yeah cool. and also and now when it's in the news you're gonna you're gonna have a better understanding of no i think it's a good one that we did because maybe other people are like me and they don't necessarily know everything about it's, it it's so. a hard one to know um everything about you have to read a lot of stuff and spend a lot of time to know all of those little details and all the yeah so i tried to do kind of a comprehensive but like shorter Anyways, so, Kim, we do have a sponsor. We do. If you're still listening and not scared, we have a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, like, you were you were in a flow, you know? Yeah. No yeah. need to mess it up. Right. Um, yeah, we're sponsored by Wink. Wine Inc. Wink. Go to wink.com, enter promo code MERDS, and uh, you can get 20 bucks off your first order. Wink is a cool, like, wine curator slash deliverer slash um educator <laughs> words uh words are uh no it's cool you go to wink.com and you enter in like what kind of drinks you like and they help find you new wines which is very cool night before last i opened up a bottle of chop stop and i posted oh. about it on instagram oh yes and you did yes you did yeah, i saw that i uh, had dope. a glass of wine and just enjoyed it and it was nice because it was like wine that I really liked. It was a bottle I'd never had before. I never had anything from that winery before. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Haven't had a bad bottle yet from there. Cool. Really enjoyed it. So yeah, wink.com, promo code MERDS. MERDS. M-U-R-D-S. Talking MERDS on the discount. (laughs) Get 20 bucks off. Also, Wink uh, takes care of shipping for you, so you don't have to worry about that either. It's pretty great. Yeah. And then we have social media. We are at kimknowsnothing.com. Uh-huh. We are at Kim Knows Nothing on Instagram, uh-huh. Twitter, uh-huh. Facebook. Uh-huh. I call it Facebook. Idiot. Um, <laughs> Friendster, MySpace, yeah. Live Journal. <laughs> uh- <laughs> we should start a live journal. <laughs> you said yeah when I said Friendster like that. Yeah? Like, don't you fucking pay attention to what the show is doing? Don't you think I would tell you if I invented a time machine and went back to my freshman year of college and made a Friendster? Yeah. Anyway, we're on Friendster. (laughs) We're on uh, AIM, AOL. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um... We love you, listeners. Thanks for listening. We yeah. love getting comments and feedback from you guys. Yeah. You're the best. Um, and keep listening. And Oh, you know who I want to give a shout out to? Yeah. Helen Heels. Helen Heels is just killing it. Can't That can't possibly be your real name. <laughs> but here's what I want to talk it's about. It's a perfect name. It's cool. It's a it cool name. It just rolls off the tongue. We um, love it. Helen Heels. Love it. 
I love like she's always I always like commenting. I know it's cool. She's I get so really excited. Yeah. Love her. And uh, not sure if you saw her profile picture. I did click on it. It is cool. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. Okay. I feel like that needs to be acknowledged. Special cool shout out. Cool. Um, but we love all of you listeners, and and uh, we love when you leave comments and uh, leave us feedback and leave us a review as well. It's, yeah. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, it's a little tricky. Go to our website, and I have a link set up so that it's really easy. You just click on it and then you put the review in there. Um, but leave us a review in your podcast app if you're listening on your iPhone. Just tap the number of stars. Mm-hmm. Listen, the more reviews we get, the more listeners that we'll get because they put us up higher on lists when people search for true crime. And we want that. We want more people to listen. Yeah. Um, we'd love to have more listeners just like you guys. Yeah. So yeah, leave us a review. Tell your friends. Yeah. We have I a lot of listeners who tell their friends, which is like the best. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. If I had friends, <laughs> I don't know if they'd really want to be a part of this. No. Stick around. But I would tell them about this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is a real, real long outro. All right. Music's already playing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. See you in two weeks. We love you. Ooh, creepy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>